the memos you mentioned that came out, that the one was about the lawyers, you know, knowing that they were committing fraud as they were presenting their cases to the courts. The other one was a six point plan. It seems to me like a blueprint for how Mike Pence could have basically subverted the will of the people and started a coup on January the 6th in great detail the six steps he should take in order to nullify the vote of American people and overturn the vote on January the 6th. He chose not to do that at the end, but the plan was written by a Trump attorney. And so you've got real motivation there. You've got proof that he premeditated this act, that he wanted to do this coup. That's right. And that's a dangerous memo because you've got a man, uh, Eastman, who is not stupid. And he's using a lot of legalese, a lot of legal loopholes and technicalities. And he is exploiting the ambiguities I just referred to. But let's keep our eye on the eight ball. Mm -hmm. What that memo is based on is the big lie. Mm -hmm. He wants to throw out the votes of six or seven states that went clearly in favor of Joe Biden, but they were swing states. They didn't go in, by, in favor of Joe Biden by huge margins but by margins similar to what Donald Trump defeated Hillary Clinton by in 2016, maybe a bit more in some, a bit less in others. But Donald Trump clearly lost those states. But the whole idea behind that memo was Pence and his and Trump's enablers articulating the lie that there was election fraud in those states, that there were irregularities in the voting in each of those states. And let's take a step back. This was litigated in court 61 times. Right. 60 times Trump, the Trump side lost. The one time he won involved several thousand votes in Pennsylvania that were inconsequential as far as the final vote tally in Pennsylvania. Uh, and that involved the counting, I believe, was votes that came in after election day. But it didn't impact the result in Pennsylvania. This is why we have courts of law. And this is what the Trump and the, the Trump uh, uh, enablers and Trump himself want us to forget. We have these courts of law to test these claims. If there was election fraud, it would have been revealed. It would have been proven in these courts. Never in the history of our country have so many lawsuits over a presidential election been filed. Donald Trump had a team of lawyers throughout the country filing one lawsuit after another. Now, I will respectfully contend that every one of those lawsuits, except the one in Pennsylvania involving several thousand votes, was absolutely frivolous. But the fact that they were brought, they got their day in court and they lost fair and square. That Eastman memo, this is how dangerous that Eastman memo was. And he's lost sight of the forest for the trees here and what our democracy is all about. That memo sought to put himself, his legalese, these legal loopholes in place of a fair and free election. It would have basically thrown out the votes of six or seven swing states, tens of millions of people who waited in line, who duly filled out their ballots, who cared enough about this election to vote. And he was just going to throw all that out and either let Donald Trump win on January on, on January 6th by not counting the states Biden won, and therefore Donald Trump would have a bare majority of what was left, or delay it enough and send it back to the state legislators where the Republicans controlled a bare majority, I believe 26 states mm -hmm. out of the 50, and assuming they would all go in Donald Trump's favor. What would the end game be? The end game would have been the end of our democracy and probably civil disorder mm -hmm. because that's an actual stolen election.
And there's, that's the biggest irony of it all. The, the stolen election that Donald Trump frivolously lies about every single day he wanted to do himself. It is projection of the most dangerous uh, type. And it's unfortunately still propagated. Laws are being changed. Gerrymandering is going to be extreme this year. Voter suppression bills are being filed left and right. Our imperfect system, which relied so much on the good faith of honest elected officials, is going to be tested again, and we may lose. And this is, you know, my worry, you know, about what is going on. Um, uh, shame on Eastman for what he did. Shame on all the lawyers who should have known better, uh, who were assisting Donald Trump in doing so. So easy for them to use a legal memo to throw out the votes of tens of millions of people. But they should ask themselves whether that was the right thing to do. And what would the result be for this country? And what disaster it would have resulted in. And unfortunately, Donald Trump lied about everything. He lied to us about going quietly into the night if he lost. Mm -hmm. He is more dangerous and active uh, now uh, he, uh, than he was you know, after uh, inauguration day. And he's getting more dangerous every single day because he fears criminal charges. This is what it's all about. He also doesn't like to lose. He can't admit that he lost. He's a, a malignant narcissist. He can't psychologically accept defeat. You know, he gives a new definition to the term sore loser, mm -hmm. but it's a sore loser that really jeopardizes the foundation of our country, our democratic values. I took, like many people, before 2016, before Donald Trump, I actually took for granted that our democracy would last my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I don't take that for granted anymore. I don't think anyone should. And I believe it's clearly being threatened by Donald Trump, along with his many enablers. Absolutely. You know, I call them the enemies of democracy, and they certainly are broad ranging, and they do include foreign nations. You know, we have been reporting here a narrative. I just, uh, you know, one of the things I was, uh, was talking about was the Russian influence in January the 6th. We reported here that there's a person who appears to all of us as a Russian agent who was involved in orchestrating January the 6th. And now we're learning there were others involved and we'll report on that in the next few days. But we're looking at a operation of, of a huge scale that includes operatives from other countries. It includes organizations like the Epoch Times, which is a front organization for a Chinese religion that seems to have connections with the regime over there. There are various organizations, media organizations like AON and Newsmax that are of dubious origins. The Facebook and other social medias are just, you know, are very troubling, especially Facebook. It seems like such a broad ranging group of enablers that are both domestic and foreign. And I'm wondering what can be done about the foreign piece of that, because you can't take them to court, obviously. There must be a counterintelligence investigation or something going on in that field. And do you know anything about that? No, I don't know anything about it, but I would assume there is, and we shouldn't know anything about it. That especially, we should not know too much about mm -hmm. it until actually any charges are brought. But we need to, you know, Garland, he's got a long to-do list, and this needs to be thoroughly investigated. There are some people out there who think, oh, how could Donald Trump run again? There's no way he could win. Well, I agree with part of that statement. There's no way he can win a free and fair election mm -hmm. because two thirds of the country realizes what a madman, criminal, horrible person he is with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. He will run again because he'll try to steal the election. And that's how he can possibly win. He could get enough 
GOP state legislators to go his way, enough people in Congress, God forbid, if the Republicans take control of the House in 2022 and control the Senate as well. We've got to fight hard to prevent that. But he will run to try to steal the election. And part of that equation, Zev, is the assistance of foreign actors who will try to infiltrate social media such as Facebook again, but perhaps do even worse. You know, the big concern in 2020 was, can they actually impact the counting of votes in certain swing states? And there were a lot of protections put in place. There was no evidence that they were able to do so. But who knows what they would be capable of doing next time. Donald Trump is Putin's best friend because he's so incompetent. He's so unstable. He's so subject to blackmail. He's so subject to bribery. Who knows what the two of those talked about in private with only an interpreter present? And Donald Trump, not surprisingly, ripped up those interpreters' notes. But I've always felt that the interpreter should be examined. I know that's breaking protocol. Normally, you don't ask an interpreter what's being said. But this is not a normal situation. So Donald Trump will run again in 2024, even as a political prisoner or as a political indicted defendant. He will claim... He's being indicted because of political reasons, and he will try to get the help of foreign and domestic actors to steal the election. There is no bottom there. We cannot normalize this situation anymore. Who could have envisioned January 6th before it happened? A few of us were a little paranoid about it. Turned out we were right. In fact, we underestimated what he and his enablers were capable of. And so I do believe the FBI and DOJ and uh, other agencies are hopefully investigating and staying on top of foreign interference. That seems to be a top priority. But let's not forget about the domestic side Mm -hmm. of it. And what Donald Trump, he's doing this in plain view. And that's why I'm cautiously optimistic that even though I want Garland to move faster, I want him to move yesterday on certain things that he can move on. Hopefully he will move. I do believe the Manhattan District Attorney's Office will move first. And I believe that's probably going to come before Vance leaves office on December 31st. That's the case Um, against Trump organization, the Alan Weisselberg case. That's right. And let's not forget something very obvious. The Trump organization is Donald Trump. He controls everything in that organization. No question about it. And I do believe Cy Vance has turned several people in that organization. McConney, for example. Maybe. There's a new stack of documents that they found in, they think, Calamari's basement. Uh, that uh, sounds it, significant it, if there's, if there's it, tax it, documents. It was, in, it was in one of their basements. Right. Now, if it was in a cooperator's basement, it was given over voluntarily. I think it's more likely it was the subject of a search warrant because that's how uh, the, the defense attorneys know about it. Uh, and that was probably revealed. Oh, right. Good point. Uh, now, if I may say something about Weisselberg, this is an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic that's going on in that case. I have predicted against other views that Weisselberg, if rational and if given the opportunity, will cooperate. Because I do believe, and I know his two attorneys are very competent, that that's what they're advising him to do. Because it's a very good case against him. He's looking even on a guilty plea. Realistically, he's looking at at least two years in an upstate prison. That's awful. That's not a federal country club prison. Nor do those exist, by the way. But it's not a federal camp. That is an upstate New York state prison. Mm -hmm. And I do believe he's realistically looking at two plus years on a plea. If he goes to trial, 
even more than that. But if he cooperates, he could probably work out a deal. Yeah, he's going to be a convicted felon. Yeah, he's going to have to have financial, pay financial penalties. He's also going to have to work out a deal with the feds because he's committed federal crimes too. Tax evasion is both a state crime and a federal crime in those states that tax income and other things. But I don't know if he has the opportunity anymore. And the reason I say that is if they've turned McConney, and I think they have, and maybe the Calamaris, though I'm not sure about those two, or maybe others we haven't heard of, and maybe lawyers who have worked for the Trump organization, then they might not need Weisselberg. And let's not forget, Weisselberg is not a low-level guy. He is acting allegedly with Trump to commit the crimes that have been charged in the indictment. So what could be going on there is either the prosecutors don't want to give Weisselberg a sweetheart deal because he's such a high level, alleged high level co-conspirator, or they don't need him, or they're still trying to convert him to being a cooperator because obviously their main target has to be Donald Trump, who is the Trump organization, who controls that company. And Michael Cohen has testified that nothing happened in that company without Donald Trump, you know, giving his approval and say so. It's a document intensive case. You need some insider witnesses. They might have it already. I don't think I don't think Vance wants to leave office without doing his duty in this case. And that would be the charging of Donald Trump. Perhaps his adult children, if there's evidence to support those charges, that could be coming next. My gut tells me um, it's very possible, if not likely, it's going to happen before the year's end. But Vance is going to go with the evidence. So do you and think that before the year's end, we're going to see indictments of the Trump children? If there's evidence, Vance will not shy away from it. There's an historical precedent in Vance's own career. A lot of people say, oh, Vance, let the children get away with right. I was going to ask uh, you about the, Trump's, that. the Trump Soho project. Yeah. Uh, Trump's Soho project was a condominium timeshare situation, uh, not really in Soho, but near Soho, but they mm -hmm. said Soho to raise the values. And the Trump children came really close to being indicted. And Vance made the judgment that they should not. He's defended that publicly. He did and he something got a check. similar. He got a check for his he campaign. Now you got a $25,000 well, check from the Trumps. And he says that had nothing to do with it. I do believe Vance has integrity. Now, let's look at the historical precedent with someone else, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein was alleged to have groped a woman at a bar in Manhattan. She brought this to the attention of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. They decided there was insufficient evidence to charge Harvey Weinstein. Vance caught a lot of flack about that. Harvey Weinstein has now been sentenced to 25 years mm -hmm. in jail for related uh, sex assault crimes by Vance. I do believe Vance has an integrity. He will go where the facts tell him to go. And then it's going to be in the very capable hands of Alvin Bragg, who I supported for district attorney, who will take over on January 1. Now, let me say a word about Alvin Bragg. Many people may not know that name unless they live in New York. Alvin Bragg was a former assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District. He was one of my adversaries in a bank robbery case when I was a defense attorney. Then he became a chief of the attorney general's office, and there's Alvin Bragg. Mm -hmm. And then he became a chief in the New York State Attorney General's office. Well, he's going to complete the trifecta, in effect, um, and, and he's highly favored to win uh, the election, having won the Democratic primary. And he will 
be the next district attorney for New York County, which is Manhattan. And he now has relationships with both the Southern District, the New York State Attorney General's office. And of course, now he'll, he'll, he will soon be in charge of the Manhattan District Attorney's office. And I don't think we can have a more capable person to follow through with what Vance has begun. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that. And I'm going to even take a chance and say I'm cautiously optimistic on Georgia and Fannie Willis because, I mean, I just believe that is clear state election fraud. And I think I'll call her Fannie. I think she's going to come through for us. I think she's going to come through for the country. I hope she doesn't mind. I think she is doing this very carefully. Uh, She's hired some good people. But that brings back the Garland point. If you look at the New York state indictment, they mention uh, the feds over and over again. And state tax evasion is federal tax evasion in New York state. They're almost begging the feds to get involved. I would like to think there is a federal tax investigation going on right now about Donald Trump. And similarly, in Georgia, election fraud is both a violation of state law and federal law. We have Donald Trump on tape telling Raffensperger, I need the exact number of votes plus one that mm-hmm. separate myself from Joe Biden. That's and the contemporaneous powerful. memos from the DOJ. I mean, there's evidence that this is exactly what they were pursuing. And so there's powerful evidence. So I do believe people have to be patient. Very important things will be happening, hopefully very soon. That's a good uh, note to bring in Heidi. And just thank you very much for your incredibly honest uh, comments there, Rich. I really, really impressed by your integrity and courage to bring all this out. Heidi, I know a lot of people must have comments on the chat. Um, yes, they do. Are there they any do. questions or any things that they would yes. like us to tackle before we say goodnight the, to Rich? The number one comment was preach, preach, preach. You give us hope. Like that was just an elixir for so many people who are frustrated. Another comment was so many spiders, so many webs. I really love that. They're asking what they can do. Do they need to flood the White House with letters? How can our viewers be helpful? That's one of the main questions that came through. That's a terrific uh, uh, question. I believe one thing they could do, when you're talking about prosecutors' offices, for example, it's not so much the White House. It's really the state and federal prosecutors. They are public servants. Their offices are funded by taxpayers. Citizens have a right to contact those offices and put in their two cents. And all of these offices have a specific department that is assigned the responsibility of responding to citizens' concerns. So people can call, people can go on their websites. There are forms you can fill out where you can give your two cents. And I believe that's so important because, you know, those of us who are on Twitter and we see a lot of these people. I see the people, Heidi, that have just spoken to you and how worried they are and the trauma that they've gone through and the post-traumatic stress disorder that they experience whenever Trump rears his horrible voice and visage and talks about election lies. Call the offices, write to the offices, do it in the appropriate way. Make sure your voice is heard. And those things, they have a system for taking this down. What I have tried to do, I'm just one person, I've tried to write directly to some of these offices. I don't know whether it has any impact at all, but hopefully, collectively, we can have an impact. What about the class action lawsuits? If there are people who are injured directly, how do they go ahead and and find a, a way to proceed with these class action lawsuits? I think they have to find a class action lawyer, a plaintiff's class action lawyer, 
a good one, a reputable one. And there's so many online resources to find out who has done the big cases out there. And you see if they're interested. These are not going to be easy cases to bring, no. for example, against right-wing media. But they should at least be considered. And for some of these families, they can prove that their deceased family member did not get vaccinated because they relied on blatantly false information propagated over the airwaves. You know, that's something they can do. Contact lawyers, spread the word to their local papers about the fact that their father, their uncle, their grandfather was killed because of these lies. And maybe we can start chipping away at the hold that Donald Trump has over his followers who have been lied to so much. And it's so difficult for them to realize how they've been deceived. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heidi, anything else from the uh, chat rooms there? Did anyone else have a comment? Oh, so much. Many, many questions on what McConnell's may have played in all mm. of this. There's a lot of concern that he has wielded way too much power. Well, the ironic thing is McConnell, I think, has overplayed his political hand. This is a man who, somewhat intelligent man, whose whole political career has been based on power, maintaining power at any cost. He overplayed his hand because he normalized a psychopath. I agree with some folks on Twitter who have recently written that McConnell would love for Donald Trump to be indicted and prosecuted. In fact, he said so much, almost said so much uh, in his remarks during the second impeachment proceeding and after January 6th. At the same time, McConnell, I agree with Mary Trump, McConnell is probably the most dangerous, nefarious figure in American politics because he's just so obsessed with maintaining power or regaining power despite everything else that's important in this country. And this goes beyond Republican, Democrat. This is right or wrong, honesty versus dishonesty. And we can argue about the details of infrastructure plans and everything else, but everything goes out the window. Everything that's important to us if we lose our democracy. And McConnell, I don't think completely realizes this. I was so naive in 2016 when Donald Trump was elected, I was sure that the Republican senators would be a check on him. I can't tell you how naive I was that they let him get away with everything. There's not a thing they stopped him on because they got their judges, they got their tax cuts, and they forgot about what's really important in this country, integrity, our democracy, our constitution. Once we lose it, and we're going down that road, McConnell's going to feel real badly about it in the sunset of his life, but it'll be too late. Apology not accepted. Mm-hmm. So That's McConnell, I don't I, So Heidi, I don't know if McConnell is, I doubt very much that he crossed the line into criminality, but he crossed the line, in my opinion, into immorality and not caring about our democracy and caring about too much about the wrong things. Good answer there. Um, Heidi, any others from the audience or... Yes, our audience has one very simple question. Is Trump a mobster? And is his global reach to other mobsters part of the problem? Is he too big to prosecute? I don't believe anyone should be too big to prosecute. And I think there's historical examples of that. First of all, is he a mobster? He acts like a mobster. Is he involved directly with what we would consider traditional organized crime families? I don't think so, but I wouldn't put anything past him if, it, if he thought he could make a buck. Mm-hmm. I think he's his own mobster. I don't think he's a very competent one, but he knows enough to say the right things and not say too much to get away with it so far. Let's talk about this too big to fail thing. 
This is infecting, I think, a lot of prosecutors around the country in this particular way. They feel they have to have such a great case because he's the former president. Well, I think he's been, he needs to be brought down to earth. And I think the first indictment will break the ice. And then I think there's hopefully will be a number of indictments after that. He is not too big to prosecute. Quite the contrary, he must be prosecuted. And let's look at the historical precedents. And there is a number of them. In the political sphere, uh, Richard Nixon was forced from office. He would have been prosecuted, except he was mistakenly pardoned by Gerald Ford, probably for altruistic reasons, but Gerald Ford made a mistake because that was a very bad precedent. But he was forced from office. Spear Agnew pled guilty to felonies and was forced to resign. Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff was Mr. Untouchable, the, the most in-demand person in certain financial circles in New York and around the world, actually. Well, he died in prison. John Gotti was, was the Teflon Don. He beat two or three cases and he bought jurors off. He did it corruptly, but eventually he died in prison, a life sentence in maximum security. Uh, and he, um, so he suffered the consequences. There's so many others that you see with the Enron scandal and everything else. These are very powerful people who were brought to justice. Donald Trump is no different than any other criminal, except he's killed more with his COVID dishonesty and who knows what else with the COVID, but he lied about COVID repeatedly thinking it could help his political career. And he was also just horribly incompetent. So he's done so much damage to this country. And really importantly, he's doing damage as we're conducting this interview right now. He's plotting how to take back control of the country. And if you want the number reason to pursue him right now and not let bygones be bygones, it's that he's hell-bent on destroying us mm -hmm. in plain view. So I disagree with that. I don't think Garland's afraid of him. Garland wants to do the right thing, and I'm hoping he has sound prosecutorial judgment. He's not acting alone. He has very competent people around him, and hopefully he will do the right thing. He's reading the right things. He's, he's educating himself. He understands that Trump cannot be normalized, should not be normalized. We're not even dealing with a Richard Nixon type here or a Spiro Agnew. This is a whole different sort of madman and mm -hmm. criminal. And hopefully he realizes that and hopefully he'll act at the right time in the right way and hopefully in multiple ways. I hear this a lot on my Twitter feed too, Heidi. You know, and a lot of people say that he'll never get prosecuted. They are, they're losing confidence. And mm -hmm. I wrote to the Southern District and I said, people are losing confidence in the criminal justice mm -hmm. system, perhaps temporarily with good reason. But if you look, like, look at a guy like Donald Trump, so far, he's never been charged with a single crime in his entire life. Mm -hmm. But I think that's going to change soon. I feel very strongly about it. Could I be wrong? Of course. I hope you're um, right. I'm making, I'm making the best educated, informed guess prediction. And I hope it comes true. And I hope it comes true very, very soon. But I hear the viewers. I share their concerns and their worries. I had a, an interesting debate with someone who's very well known on Twitter and who's someone who I respect, a, a career prosecutor. She believes that Trump will be indicted by the Department of Justice. It's so complex. They want to get it right. And she believes it's going to happen in the next six months. At the same time, she says if it doesn't happen, it's going to be really, really bad. And she'll just be so shocked and so depressed. But the point she was making to me is should we leave Garland alone? 
and let him decide what his responsibilities are more in a vacuum without public pressure. Now, she's making a very good point, which I respectfully disagree with. I believe prosecutors' offices should know and should take into account what the public thinks Mm -hmm. should be done. This impacts principles of general deterrence, individual deterrence, confidence in the criminal justice system, confidence in our political system. These are public, collective-type issues And this is why every prosecutor's office has a public relations department. They have a person who controls their Twitter feed. They have a person who responds and takes into account all the written emails that are sent to them and all the telephone calls they receive. So I do believe these prosecutors should hear from us within reason in a very appropriate uh, way. and, And hopefully they will make the right judgments. Uh, This person I'm speaking of is very well respected, very influential. I understand where she's coming from. I don't think she and I disagree on most of the general issues that are involved here. And we barely disagree on as to some of the details. Absolutely. You know, people should know that's a great answer again. I have to ask you before I let you go, whether you trust Chris Ray. You know, I think like Biden and, and Ron Klain, I go back and forth on on Chris Ray, to be perfectly honest. Now, Chris Ray is catching a lot of heat right now because of the the Kavanaugh situation. He hasn't made any public statements about the insurrection. I was initially very happy when Biden kept him on. Uh, I'll tell you why. FBI directors are supposed to have 10-year terms. Only for good reason should that be interfered with. And Chris Ray did, to a large extent stand up to Donald Trump and would not kowtow to Donald Trump. And I bet there were a lot of things behind the scenes that he saved us from. I I really do believe that. I do believe he's a person of integrity. He has a very good background. Uh, That being said, should he be making public statements about the insurrection, about the investigation, maybe in a very general way that we're going to leave no stone unturned. These things are continuing. I can't talk about them. Everyone who's involved, including the planners and organizers, should be brought to justice. I think that would do a lot of good. It wouldn't do any harm. Um, I was concerned about one statement he made when he testified before Congress, I believe in the spring, when he seemed to say, though I think this was misinterpreted, that Donald Trump was not a target or a subject of his yeah. investigation. I think if you look, parse through the question and answer, I don't think he exactly said that. At the same time, he didn't give me a lot of confidence that Donald Trump was a target or subject. But that being said, he shouldn't say who's a target or subject. And what, he, what I think the right answer there was, I can't get into who's a target or a subject of my investigation. We're investigating anyone who is potentially involved in this fiasco. And he didn't say it that way, but I'm not going to condemn him for not being as articulate as I would have liked him to have been at that time. I'm on the fence about uh, Director Ray right now. I used to be a Comey fan. He was a colleague of mine. I then turned against him because of the the belated letter he sent just before the 2016 election. And I really turned against Comey when he was promoting his book in early January. And his timing is always perfect, isn't it? When he said he doesn't think Donald Trump should be prosecuted when he leaves office. I think Comey was quoted about that two days before the insurrection. Comey has not tweeted since then. And so I'm no longer a fan of Jim's. And it's unfortunate because I do believe he was a person of the utmost integrity, but I believe he made serious errors of judgment. You know, with, with Director Ray, let's see what happens. He might do his duty. He might pleasantly surprise us 
with regard to the the insurrection, but I could be wrong about that. It would certainly be good if someone did something, because it does, it does seem like people are taking a long time, but really excited and interested that you're so optimistic, Rich. It certainly helps uh, fill us all, I think, with a little bit of optimism and maybe some hope here, because it has been a pretty dire situation. So thank you for your courage and integrity in speaking out. It's really, really remarkable uh, that you've done that tonight, and you continue to do it on Twitter. People could follow you on Twitter at Rich Signorelli. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And I hope everyone does and continues to support and retweet you. Uh, thank you very much for spending this evening with us. We really appreciate your time and I hope you'll be back uh, again on Narrative. I'd like to thank both of you for having me on this podcast. I, I think it was a terrific experience. So I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another really interesting episode. Heidi, we were talking about the homeschooling thing and how that's becoming a big issue for the right wing. Wow. Any, anything to smash up our democracy from any angle. We seem to be doing that. So we'll see you tomorrow night on Narrative. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, Rich.